Good morning. Welcome to With God at Dawn. Our reading this morning is titled, He Made Him to be Sin for Us. For He hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God permitted His beloved Son, full of grace and truth, to come from a world of indescribable glory to a world marred and blighted with sin, darkened with the shadow of death and the curse. He permitted him to leave the bosom of his love, the adoration of the angels, to suffer shame, insult, humiliation, hatred, and death. Behold him in the wilderness, in Gethsemane upon the cross. The spotless Son of God took upon himself the burden of sin. He who had been one with God felt in his soul the awful separation that sin makes between God and man. This is what wrung from his lips the anguished cry, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was the burden of sin, the sense of its terrible enormity, of its separation of the soul from God. It was this that broke the heart of the Son of God. But this great sacrifice was not made in order to create in the Father's heart a love for man not to make him willing to save, no. Oh, no, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The father's loves, I'm sorry, the father loves us, not because of the great propitiation, but he provided the propitiation because he loves us. Christ was the medium through which he could pour out his infinite love upon a fallen world. None but the son of God could accomplish our redemption, for only he who was in the bosom of the Father, could declare him. Only he, who knew the height and depth of the love of God, could make it manifest. Nothing less than the infinite sacrifice made by Christ in behalf of fallen man could express the Father's love to lost humanity. This morning, after reading some of that, I've had some thoughts, and I kind of want to share some personal speculations. I know we can't make doctrine out of speculations that it seems to be good to think about the things of eternity rather than like the monkey who reached into the vase and grasped the shiny marbles put there to trap him. He's unable to let go of the shiny marbles and in this he's thus trapped in a small paradigm rather than being free to live a full life. There he is until he is taken by the trapper. We are surrounded by a lot of shiny trinkets that have no eternal good as an outcome. We're sort of trapped by them in some small paradigm. Perhaps if we contemplate the things of eternity, we'll give God more space in our thoughts and feelings and our character can be formed for eternity. So I share something here that it doesn't necessarily originate with me, but um, I like to mull over these things and your thoughts will form uh, your own character and form your own feelings that follow. So, well, here's what I've thought about, and I'm going to share it with you. God, Jehovah, the Almighty One, who inhabits eternity in the fourth dimension, which we don't really understand, He was once alone from eternity past. We know not how long since He has no origin, and that was when there was no time. His desire was to be surrounded by life, love, joy, and grateful praise music, light, and all things beautiful. In him was life. 
We're told God is spirit, but he has a physical body, and Jesus is in his express physical image. The one thing that would be a problem if he created life, there he was alone, uh, a being full of so much love. If he created sentient beings free to choose, would be the likely possibility of selfishness sprouting up somewhere now known as sin, because a perfect omniverse could only exist if God's own moral code was in total and perfect function. He knew that someone would let self-worship ruin everything, but he did not want worlds peopled with artificial intelligence, but intelligent beings who could realize their worth and his love and freely give him their obedience and let this same uh, paradigm live in them that lived in God of the perfect love, for we see the beauty of it. But he knew who would do it. He knew his moral code had no remedy for this occurrence of sin and, and ruination, and that to repair the damage and restore and redeem the ones who fell, there would need to be a savior, quote-unquote. It, it was also true that this Messiah would need to be above the law, or his life could not satisfy the demands of the law. A created being is under the law. The sin of breaking God's law and moral code is so great that in order to satisfy that very moral code, it would have to be satisfied with someone who was perfect in nature. Therefore, before creating any worlds or any life, he was preparing ahead of time, just like when he made our planet, made the earth before he made the greenery, before he made the animal that needed it, and everything is in order. So before creating any worlds or life, he brought forth from his own spirit and being a son who would one day fill this need. Proverbs 8 describes this birth. This son's very being was a replica and made up of the very being and spirit of himself. The very material he was made from was from eternity, yet he had a day of being begotten. Jesus said in John eight forty two, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded and came forth from God. And in addition to being begotten of God, the same verse also adds that God sent him. He didn't come to earth of himself. So now when you read this verse, you can see that He's saying this, I was born from God and he sent me here. I believe he's telling them, if God were your father, you would love me because I'm his real son and he sent me to you. At the end of this chapter, they try to stone him for blasphemy because they knew what he was saying, that he was in actual fact God's own son. So, back to the narrative. So, after you read Proverbs 8, 22 through 36, specifically, you may say this is only speaking of wisdom, but we're told so many times that Jesus is wisdom, like, for instance, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, But of him, God, are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. This verse even explains this is why God brought him forth for our redemption and restoration. Um, of course, then, of course, we know the rest of the story. God created all life through his Son, and the first being, see, at that point, Jesus was the one who created all things. We know that from John. Um, 
The first being created was most beautiful and exalted, and he, Lucifer, was the one who fell. He took a third of the angels, and he tempted our first parents to fall. But in Genesis, after the earth was finished, we're told that God was finished with all his creation and created a Sabbath um, as well. It says in Genesis 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. So not just the heavens and the earth, our planet and our heavens and stratosphere, but all the host of them, all the other earths and planets and stratospheres. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, all of his work which he had made, and he rested from all his work which he had made. So before then, there hadn't been a Sabbath until God finished his all his creation. Okay, so the everlasting covenant was agreed upon by Father and Son, as stated in Revelation thirteen eight. He was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world. John seventeen twenty four. Jesus is praying to his Father, and he says, "Thou lovest me from the foundation of the world." And Ephesians one four says, "According as he hath chosen us in him, from the foundation of the world." God chose us in Christ. In fact, before he created us, he brought forth Christ. That was how he chose us, so that we could be in existence. Um, I'll read that whole verse. According as he hath chosen us in him from the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And he brought forth Jesus so that we could be holy. Yeah, he knew we were going to fall. First Peter one twenty, Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, was manifest in these last times for you. I feel like a summary could read, Jesus reveals the wisdom of God in bringing him forth to redeem and restore all God's creation from the sin and fall of planet Earth so that his vast creation can be complete with, with uh, one pulse beat of harmony and not one spot of sin or evil anywhere. God is bringing his great mystery to a close. Matthew thirteen eleven to you it has been granted to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians three nine to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery. Ephesians three nine oh sorry the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God which is Jesus who created all things. Romans sixteen twenty five now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past. First Corinthians 2, 7. We speak God's wisdom, which is Jesus, the word of God. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Colossians 1, 26. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations but has now been manifested to his saints. Who is manifested? First Peter one twenty, Jesus. Ephesians one nine, he has been made known to us the mystery of his will according to his great good pleasure which he purposed in himself. God purposed in himself when he was alone before any creation. The mystery of his will it was a mystery and he brought it forth for us. So Colossians two two resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself. That's pretty clear. First Timothy 3.16, Great is the mystery of godliness. 
Six things here. He revealed in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory as Jesus, the mystery of godliness. Christ is this mystery of godliness. It's God's mysterious way of restoring us to godliness through Christ when he foreknew that we would fall. Colossians one twenty seven. This mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Revelation 10.7 In the days of the voice of the seventh angel about to sound, the mystery of God is finished. There are two mysteries that the Bible expresses. One is the mystery of iniquity. It's a mystery why iniquity could even exist in the glory of heaven. But it's there it is, the mystery of iniquity. And two, the mystery of the godliness in Christ. That God can bring forth godliness out of us who have fallen through Christ. So to end, Romans 11:33 to 36 Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? And there were so many verses and promises and warnings that I will not add that to the end this morning. We just simply sing one verse of great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand has provided, great is thy faithfulness, Lord unto me. Dear Heavenly Father, your faithfulness to us, so each one of us can say unto me, for you foreknew each one of us, each sperm, each egg that would come together to make life, and you chose each one of us that way, in spite of the flaws that we would be born with because of genetic defects. You wanted each one of us and knew that one day we would be brought through and the ears of the locusts have eaten would be restored. Lord, I pray for those who are here with me this morning that they would have such trust in you, knowing that whatever the story is of the history, the mystery of godliness in Christ can be brought to pass in our lives because we have trust in him and in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, our time is coming to a close. I only have about 12 more days to the end of this book. And uh, I want to thank you for joining me at the times that you have. And I will be here again tomorrow morning. And I hope that you will join me then. God bless you.